This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. listening to the Knowledge at Wharton podcast. I'm Rachel Kipp, Associate Editorial Director of the Knowledge at Wharton website, and we're here today with Wharton Management Professor Rachel Arnett. Rachel, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. And you're here to talk to us a little bit about your research. So could you talk to us about what you focus on? Absolutely. So my work looks at how individuals in diverse work environments and settings uh, cultivate inclusion by expressing and concealing social identity differences. So I have a few different areas of work in this space. Uh, One looks at people's sort of hesitation to bring attention to their differences in the workplace, whether it's a cultural difference, educational difference, whatever it might be. Uh, and And I look at work that basically has typically in the past just assumed that people hesitate to express differences in the workplace, for example. And I show that actually when people think abstractly about expressing differences, yes, they have some concerns about doing so. But when you get them to think more concretely about specific interactions and how people might respond to those differences in the workplace, they're actually a little bit more comfortable with opening up and being authentic in the workplace. And I also have a a line of work that shows that actually these individuals opening up in a very rich and meaningful way, let's say about cultural difference or the, the meaning behind a particular cultural tradition, that can actually be positive and result in people behaving more inclusively towards that person, both in terms of Uh, opening up to them uh, in return or perhaps socially including them and interacting with them more or even being more willing to promote them in a professional sphere. Now, what can businesses and then also individuals learn from this? I mean, how can we apply it, but either for our businesses side to either their hiring policies or to how they have employees relate to each other or to team building and then from the employee side just to how they can apply this to their lives at work? Absolutely. Well, there are many ways in which I think this applies to the workplace. So I think in terms of managers and what they're thinking about, people often have an intuition that diversity is a good thing to have in the workplace, right? Um, But they're not always sure how to frame diversity for their employees. Should people... Should they recruit people who have differences but then have sort of a melting pot and focus on commonalities? Or should people be encouraged to celebrate their differences and maybe even leverage them in the workplace? And what my work really strives to do is encourage managers that the latter might be actually quite feasible to pull off. That if you encourage your employees to bring attention to their differences in a positive and meaningful way, it can actually lead to a more inclusive environment. So I think leaders can learn from that. And I also think that it's very encouraging for employees as well, both the people that might want to express something about themselves. It shows that if you have a difference that you want to bring attention to, that bring attention to it in a meaningful way can actually have positive outcomes and that can be empowering. But I also think that it can be um, really encouraging to people on the receiving side of that information, right? Because my work shows that actually uh, we, we fear differences being brought to our attention in the workplace, but actually when it when it occurs, we actually feel uh, a little bit less anxious. We feel closer to that person if they open up in a meaningful way. And that actually makes us want to include that person more. And so I think it kind of can alleviate a lot of concerns that people have in the abstract when they think about differences and show them that it can actually be positive in reality. So in terms of the ways that workplaces would try to encourage employees to celebrate their differences, what are some ways that they can kind of incorporate that into 
the work that they are doing or into their overall strategy or even into the ways that they have employees interact with each other. Right. So I think that there are two ways to think about this celebration and bringing attention to differences. One is uh, in the professional space, right? So you can really encourage employees to think about differences and opportunity to learn from one another. And this sort of idea that we can, everyone has something that they can learn from what other people uniquely bring to the table, I think encourages people to leverage their differences in a professional way. And there's research that shows outside of my own, even that uh, if people really do think of differences as an opportunity for learning, as opposed to uh, achieving diversity for its own sake or something like that, that uh, this learning approach to, to differences can be really positive for helping people do better and work better together in the workplace. Uh, I think outside of some of the um, professional work necessarily, I think in terms of just creating a more inclusive environment in general, which I think has indirect benefits for how people work together, right? Um, I think that leaders might be able to encourage people to celebrate their differences by even opening up about themselves and what makes them unique, right? And I've seen a lot of companies start to do this where leaders will have online spaces where they're open up about their own personal backgrounds. And that kind of encourages others to do the same by setting the tone that this is a place where we can really uh, be honest about who we are, be authentic, and them doing that encourages others to take that risk as well. No, I think most companies, if you ask them, would say, you know, we do like diversity, we encourage diversity, we want people to celebrate their identities. But often actually putting that into practice becomes the challenge is that it's easy to say, but much harder to actually do or do in a way that seems sincere. So what can companies take from this in terms of actually doing this in a way that, you know, employees are going to buy it, that they're actually going to take it to heart and really put into practice other than just sort of reading it in their manual and kind of moving on? That's a great question. So I think it depends on which employees you have in mind when thinking about this, right? So for sure, for people who are typically underrepresented within their organizations, they look at things like whether or not differences are encouraged or sort of discouraged within the workplace as a signal of whether they really belong in that workplace. So uh, even when there's research that shows that when employees are considering whether they want to join a particular organization, if they see low representation and they also see signals that differences are really kind of downplayed a lot, that's often a signal to them that they would prefer to join a different organization. Mm -hmm. So I think when you're keeping those individuals in mind, you would want to set a tone a little bit uh, more encouraging of the celebration of differences to show we're not just committed to having you here in numbers, we're committed to having you here and helping you to feel like this is a space where you and your unique background belongs and can be authentic to the degree that you feel comfortable, whatever that might mean. And so I would think that would even go into like the interview process or the job description process of sort of incorporating those things into who you talk to and just what you say in terms of like what we want out of your experience is not just that you've had this many years of doing this, but also we want everything that you bring to the table. Yes, I think I agree with that in some ways, mm -hmm. but it also brings me to something that I often this is something that I think is an area of future work for me, um, is trying to understand how people can give those signals in a way that makes others comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think in some ways it can feel um, a little bit um, intimidating or 
to have people necessarily assume that a person who's different should bring those differences to the table that that is basically your job to be, let's say, the token black person, Latino person, Asian person, whatever that might be, that if you're not able to bring some sort of authentic experience from that background, well, what did we hire you for? You know, I don't think that we want managers to act like people's belonging within organizations contingent on them being whatever stereotype or whatever uh, level of authenticity that they have defined for that person. I think that we should just give space to employees to decide what level of personal expression they would like to engage in. And that might involve talking about some aspect of their cultural background that might involve other things and people differ on how comfortable they are with that. So I think it's less about asking people to engage in that and expecting them per se and more so giving them the space to if they would like to. So, I mean, it seems like it requires a lot of degrees of sensitivity on the company's part to really think about these issues and what they're saying and the messages they're getting across and sort of put themselves in the empl- in the worker's shoes, in the applicant's shoes, and think about, you know, what message am I sending when I'm saying what I'm saying? And is it really what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, these issues are very complex. And I think that's why we see a lot of debate about, you know, the best way to approach diversity and diversity initiatives and things like that. And if it were straightforward, there wouldn't be so much conversation and debate around it. Right. But I think that's one of the goals that I'm really trying to achieve with my research is to understand some of the nuances of what actually happens when people do things one way versus another. What are the subtle signals that we're sending? How do other people's respond to those uh, pieces of information that they're picking up in their social environment? And uh, how can we ultimately create an environment that works for everybody involved, whether it is the individuals who are historically underrepresented, the people who are historically in the majority? uh, How can we create an environment where everyone feels like this is inclusive all around? And I think that also is a big part of that is that people who may say, I encourage diversity, I love diversity, are also going to have to face some pretty tough truths about, well, I say that, but here are some things that I'm doing that may not be. Or like, I mean, facing the idea that maybe I think I am, but what I'm actually doing is the opposite. Absolutely. I think that that is a challenge that many people, both leaders and every sort of everyday employees grapple with is the difference between what they would like in uh, the abstract and ideally and sort of what their day-to-day behavior Uh, suggests. So some of the work that I am also looking at uh, or will be looking at in the near future is how people respond to evidence that maybe something they did was not as, uh, let's say, racially sensitive or sensitive to people from different uh, genders or sexual orientations or something like that. So that, uh, yeah, we can actually engage in a feedback loop that makes people a little bit more open-minded to the possibility that they could have done something a little bit differently without feeling defensive or like they're under attack or like this is not a safe environment for them either, right? So we really want, what I would really like to do with my work is try to figure out a way that people feel comfortable uh, trying things out in terms of how to make diversity work, but also getting feedback about how they could improve if they wanted to. Now we have time for one more question. Are there other lines of research that you're looking at next? Absolutely. So along the same vein of trying to understand how people can express and conceal differences in the workplace, I think one of the things I really want to be careful of is what I'm asking 
what I'm suggesting that people can do is a little bit risky, right, to open up about a difference, right? At least it feels risky to the individuals considering this behavior. And one thing I would hate to do is to misguide people into a false sense of security that, hey, differences are great, run wild with your differences, and now everything will be fine, right? So what I'd like to do is look at some of the boundary conditions around these effects I've been finding. For example, um, whether or not talking about political differences is one potential area where your difference in political view might influence my life from my perspective. And so because now you're not just talking about some aspect of your background, you're talking about something that affects me as well or whoever the listener is, uh, maybe I'm a little less amenable to those types of conversations, right? And so uh, another thing that I'm interested in looking at is uh, the ways in which people manage identities that are historically higher status as well. So I have a line of work that looks at uh, people's tendency to conceal, let's say, having an Ivy League education or going to um, a higher status employer or something like that for an internship, for example. And I'm interested in sort of expanding on that. Uh, people tend to do that because they're trying to create a sense of social harmony with them, with other people. And so I'm interested in looking at how that can be leveraged to get people who are traditionally the often in higher status and higher power positions with organizations to tap into this uh, mutual concern that they actually have, that everyone has concerns about being authentic. Everyone has concerns about how to feel like they can be themselves while also having a harmonious workplace and maybe use that as a way to get these people who are often leaders within their organizations to, to sympathize with what other people, what's often positioned as an issue for underrepresented groups and help to show that it is a, a mutual issue that everyone can try to resolve collectively. Rachel, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. You can find all of Knowledge at Wharton's podcasts on our website, which is knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.